Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Get Clean Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Sharad, and this is episode 20. In this episode, I will again be interviewing Michael Fahey, director of West Side versus the World. If you don't already know and haven't figured it out by now, West Side Barbell is my favorite gym and where I get a lot of my information from. So you best believe I enjoy having Michael Fahey on to get that insider scoop of not only what Westside's about, but what conjugate is to its core and how do you apply it to, to uh, you know, athletes. Because that's what he's working with right now. He's a strength conditioning coach for a football team down in Florida. So I hope you enjoy. And let's get clean. Hey. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My God, yo. They got to fix that shit. Every podcast. Every single one. <laughs> It doesn't work on the first set. Like, minimum two, but, like, today, six times I'm invited the first. What? Yeah. The first two times it just said uh, said that the recording had ended. The third, <laughs> third fourth, and fifth time it, uh, yeah, it took me to that wait screen and was playing a little jingle. I'm just sitting here. I'm, you know, I don't know if you could hear, but I'm just sitting here, like, Waiting, yeah, it out. All right, man. So, what's what's new with you? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, well, actually, no. There's a ton new with me. Um, I just got engaged. Oh, um, yeah. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, just learning how to be an adult while the world is in chaos. Um. Mm-hmm. And uh, football season started. I'm mostly coaching JV offensive line, mm. um, which was good because we had a COVID outbreak on our varsity team. So, oh, wow. luckily, it uh, kind of coincided with me working with the JV for about a week straight. So, uh, and now got a got a couple projects for some clients and some WPO stuff coming up on the horizon and man just going through going through uh JV game tape and seeing who comes off the ball hard and who doesn't hmm. how many hours is that um i don't know i just got access to it today or to oh, uses okay. the service huddle which is pretty cool we didn't have stuff like that back when i played so i can like sit here on my phone and scroll through play by play and uh, most of my players interact with me through like instagram so sending some of them notes and i can say you know like hey go check out play 23 look how you did this and um that's nice it's, yeah it's the same number so it's, it's pretty cool and then just a couple days a week, um, I still work with a small group of the mostly varsity. Um, I guess I probably have like six kids, six or seven kids from JV mm. who I get to train like during the school day, during, you know, they're basically a, like a gym class that's for weights. Uh, 
yeah. I don't know how they put it in the system, but it's it's basically like all the um, bunch of football players have the same weightlifting class. So, still able to make a little bit of progress. With... Are you in a bad signal area? I'm kind of losing you sometimes. Oh, um, let me see. And I'm, yeah, the issue we had with this before was it goes over the Wi-Fi. Uh, let me see if I can just turn it off the Wi-Fi. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Cool. So we'll just um, do it over so Um, I think I was just saying that, yeah, we're just uh, trying to Working train. Some of the JV and some of the varsity, right? Yeah, I, I like coach mostly JV on the field, work mm-hmm. with the offensive line. Um, and uh, then I have access to a weightlifting class during the week. So they're on kind of a, like a block scheduling deal. So they only, you know, they hit every class every other day. Mm. So in most weeks I get them probably twice a week, run mm. through some max effort, do some jumps and um, maintain what we were able to build. And uh, for some of the kids who don't, you know, get like a ton of run out on the field, you know, they're able to, keep progressing their numbers pretty well. And for some of the kids who like go both ways and stuff, their numbers, we're just trying to kind of keep them as close as we can and maybe slowly build what we can. Hmm. So how many, how many days was it in the off season you get, you were working with them? Uh, in the off season, I started with them like the last day of January and Ooh. ran all the way until like, maybe the first week of March. Mm. So we really only got about five, five and a half weeks. And then we were off for three months. We came back and we had five, I think full weeks. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, then we were off again um, because of another COVID outbreak at another school during their summer workouts. We were off again for eight full weeks. So everything that I've been able to do with them is really while only getting to sort of train for like 10 weeks out of eight months. Right. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's like very exciting and very uh, upsetting at the same time because I've helped three kids get to a 40 inch vertical. Where'd they start from? Uh, one of them started at 37. Mm-hmm. So he was, I mean, he was already a great athlete. Um, right. And he only, though, worked with me for three and a half weeks. Mm. Um, he had been working with another trainer across town. Um, and then I think finally saw enough other kids get some progress and kind of, you know, I took another kid during the same time frame from in 28 days, took him from 33 to 36, uh, two. And when that happened, this other kid who was 
you know, thought of himself as the most athletic kid. Then he kind of gave it a try. Then everything got shut down. You know, he hit, he had hit 40 supposedly like a year earlier at a camp. Um, and then he had gone and was training with another guy for a year. And I pulled out the jump. He, you know, talked some trash. I pulled out the jump mat, said, you know, <laughs> I haven't seen a kid jump 40 on this yet. And I don't think you're the one. And he jumped, a, you know, took him 15 tries, but he, he jumped to 37. Couldn't, you know, couldn't go any higher. Um, and I said, you know, like, so you've been paying this other dude. Cause I train all my kids for free. Um, you know, so I saying like, you know, you've been paying this other dude and he's been training you for a year. And when you started with him, you're jumping 40 and now you're jumping 37. I said, you know, like, I don't know if I was training someone and they were taking me backwards or if I was paying mm-hmm. someone and they were taking me backwards, I maybe would stop paying them. Um, but so he worked out with me for about three weeks and second week went 38. Um, and then jumped straight from 38 to 40.1, which was his all time, all time high. He hit 40 once. And you know, it's for sure. Cause it's the jump mat. Unlike whatever else they were using. He's got to test it before. Well, no, he showed me a video of oh, oh, he had okay. done it on, he had, I mean, he had done it on a just jump mat. Oh, so, okay. I was like, okay, so that's you hitting 40.0. And I said, you know, like, you know, 37 is great. Like, you're a great athlete. Most of these kids would love to be where you're starting from. And most of them are going to take a long, long time to get there if they ever do. But if you can, you know, if you're there now, I just said, you know, like, I don't know who's been training you, although I do. <laughs> it's just like, you know, <laughs> I... I don't know what they've been having you do, but I bet you I can do better. Um, Cause I asked him other things like, you know, what do you squat? Kid didn't know. Right, okay. Geez. You don't know what you squat. That means you probably ain't squatting enough. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Or no. most people don't wake up with the 500 on the back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then he transferred schools, which, you know, kind of sucked. And the kid that I got to a 36, he transferred schools as well during the oh, three shutdown. So I left, I lost my two best jumpers and then, uh, took another kid from 31 to 35 over the summer. Um, and then, uh, he got stuck just at like 35, six, just couldn't break that for like a month and a half, two months actually. And then suddenly he went from 35.6 to 38.5. And then a week later hit 40.5. Ooh. Yeah. And then I had another kid who started at 30, you know, so that kid started at, I think, 32. I had another kid who started at 31. And he went, uh, he was 31 in June. He was 33 in August. Um, he was asking like, you know, what's the team best and stuff. And he's a, a phenomenal long jumper, but couldn't, didn't know how to jump off two feet. Uh, wasn't very powerful, but he was super fast. Um, hmm. so we, you know, we brought the commonality with all these guys is we brought their box squad up a lot. You know, one kid, the kid who went from a 31 
or 32 to 40.5, its squat went from 265 to 480. Ooh, and what time? Uh, from January until uh, September. So, um, and his body weight went from 180 to, or maybe one high 170s to 192, 195, somewhere in there. So put on 15 pounds of body weight and jumped eight and eight and a half inches higher. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what was the box heights that you you're using usually? The box heights, we kind of alternate between well, I mean, for the, for the kid, like, are they doing parallel for whatever that height is for the kid? Or... Uh, I just use two. I just use two basic boxes. One of them is, I think it's a 17 inch. It's just their bench press. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, they had a bunch of adjustable benches. Um, so we use that as kind of like a high box. Uh, and for mm-hmm. most of them, it's, it's, you know, higher than I would like to use. Um, so they've only maxed on that height maybe three times, you know, since January. Mm-hmm. Um, and the primary purpose of using that is like if they're really beat up. Right. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, when we had, we had two giant long breaks. So um, the, their other height is a 13 inch uh, wooden box with a one inch, basically almost like, uh, a kickboard type, you know, like a, a relatively dense foam, uh, right. a garden kneeler. <laughs> so again, like I work with these kids, I don't charge any of them. This is all cause I'm at a point in my life where like I have movie and residual income and stuff. And so I'm not like dependent upon training people to, you know, pay my bills and make my money. So I'm in a unique situation where I can train all these kids for free. It's a whole lot of fun. And I get a very wide variety of kids and a lot of kids who, you know, typically might be great athletes, but wouldn't be able to afford to pay somebody like me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also some using the school's equipment plus anything that I bring in. So the school right. have boxes. I went to home Depot and, you know, for 60 bucks, I made six, we had six squat racks, so I made six sets of boxes. So the boxes are 13 inches high. Um, and then I put, I found a like deal on Amazon for these foam kneeler things for like gardening. And I said, that looks kind of like a squat pad. Huh. Uh, and it was like 10 bucks for six of those on sale. So I bought one set of those and so that's kind of our very, uh, MacGyvered setup, <laughs> but so we use that lower box and rotate, um, you know, squatting on that front squat, back squat, zercher, um, and their speed days are done to that lower box. Uh, we do have one kid who's like six, seven and very lanky. <laughs> um, so for him, he gets to put a, uh, and he's younger, so he gets to put a rubber 45 on top of everyone else's box. So I'll make some allowances if, like, the kid just, you know, was built like a baby giraffe or something. <laughs> um, but uh, What other equipment do you, do you have besides the squat racks? 
Um, well, we have three, three double squat racks. So like, okay, you know, a squat rack on both sides. Right. Um, then we have a bunch of adjustable benches. Um, then we found, uh, it's my old <clears throat> high school. So when I was in, and, and the weight room is basically in the high school is like a hundred years old. So the weight room is in what used to be the old basketball gym. So it's just this mm. big old tin building. And if you've ever seen like video or not really video that doesn't really exist, but pictures of like really old basketball arenas mm. where like oftentimes the crowds would sit on this like second story kind of above the court. Right, right. It's it's one of those. So like oh, yeah. <laughs> there it has this second story that kind of wraps around it and underneath are you know, some very small old locker rooms. Cause again, this, I mean, this structure is probably like 70 years old. Um, and so they use this, they had this equipment and stuff. When I was there, the basketball court had, you know, decades earlier been taken out and replaced by a more modern um, standard sort of high school gymnasium. And uh, they had the locker rooms and they had, these two small rooms and they used one as a film room and one was like a hall of fame room. And it's got all these pictures of, you know, guys from like the twenties up to, you know, now who were all Americans or like war hero or uh, went to college or something for football. So uh, when I was there, the gym area was a bunch of deadlift and well, really there were platforms made for like power cleans because it's Florida. Right. And so, you know, they had <laughs> school weightlifting and Florida's weightlifting is you compete in the bench press and you compete in the power clean or the clean and jerk. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it yields neither good benchers and good power lifters, nor does it yield good Olympic lifters. It's a terrible broken it's system. Shit. Yeah. It's shit both ways. No direction. Um, but when I was there, uh, that big basketball court area was just a concrete slab with some rubber mats down and maybe like four power clean platforms and then a bunch of these angled squat racks and then a bunch of really terrible bench presses. But like there was a lot of equipment and it was like the focal point. You walked into this, you know, we were like the only school with a big tin, like second gym area. And when you walked in, it was like a cathedral of, you know, kind of odd and mismatched weights. But like our team was pretty strong. We had, if I think back on like my senior year, we probably had three or uh, maybe five kids who could bench 350 or more. Wow. Um, you know, I, I don't know how that really compares to everyone else everywhere else, but uh, when I came back to the school, they had turfed over that area and they had moved all the weights, uh, all that they could fit. They had moved them into this very small, basically like a classroom. Is that and, the one's your, on your page now? Um, yeah, I think I have a, a picture or two of it. Yeah. And like, it's this weird, tiny little room. And when I went there, like that was the film room. But when right. I came back, you know, 15 years later... Uh, and they they opened up the door to the gym and showed me and I'm expecting to see this great big 
uh, you know, this, this great, big, impressive weight room that maybe just has old weights in it. Instead, I saw this really shoddy turf room and the turf has seams and stuff that make it very difficult to use uh, <laughs> for any, you know, like it's a danger. And <laughs> there were no weights. I said, you know, where are the weights? And then they turned on the lights in this very small classroom area and opened it up. And, you know, there's like a quarter of the weights that I remembered. Um, yeah. So we asked some of the old staff and stuff and some people who were there when this had transitioned and they found, finally, they, they found a room that had all this old equipment in it, a bunch of old bars. And I gave them all vinegar baths and tried to clean them up a little. And we found five bench presses because we had been using like the adjustable benches in the squat racks as our bench press. And like it worked, right. but it that required extra setup and the benches got in the way when you were squatting and um you know just in general like it was such a small claustrophobic area so then we moved um once the we reopened for the school year and stuff uh, me and some of the coaches we moved all the equipment out and put it just on top of the turf uh back in the main part of the gym and then we use, there's still about half of it is still turf. So if it rains, which it's Florida, it rains all the time, big, heavy rains and floods and stuff. Yeah. So they can still do some walkthroughs and stuff. Um, and then I use, uh, we've got six sleds and two prowlers. So they can still, you know, use the turf for that kind of stuff. And if we do powerball throw or anything, we can still use that turfed area. But now there's a bigger emphasis on the weights just visually, which I think is, is important that, you know, like you walk in and it's kind of reinforced to you that in order to be a better football player, like you need to get stronger. Yeah. Um, football. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, do you guys have bands and chains and stuff? Um, I bring in bands. Basically, I moved all my bands there. Um, the racks and benches and stuff aren't set up with any kind of band attachments. So you have to do, just do the pull through itself from the bottom action. Um, well, we like the, the benches, uh, we, we really just don't use much accommodating resistance on our main lifts. And again, Um. like our. Uh, and we do have some chains, but not enough to kind of like go around. Right. Um, but you also have to remember like, so as I said, like this was a school where, you know, we, when I went there, we weren't even like the strongest team in town, but we had, you know, our second string corner bench 275. Hmm. And the starters would laugh at him because he only benched 275. And that kid was 165 pounds. And now I came into a team, you know, it wasn't a good team. That was partly why uh, one of the alumni had reached out to me about, you know, Hey, would you want to do this? But I was expecting, you know, that there would still be some strong kids. And we had one set of kids who were, they were pretty strong, some defensive linemen, um, but we only had one kid the first time I maxed him out on bench 
well, I had one kid who could break 300 pounds. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, again, like that, that's strong, but like, and that one kid was, a you know, about to go into his senior year. And, um, then his parents ended up transferring him with his brother. And those were the two strongest kids on the team. Uh, so those were the only kids that could bench, you know, by the end of the spring, those were still the only kids who could bench 300 pounds. And then I got a third kid up to 300 pounds, but the first kid who was benching 315 in the spring, I got him up to like 385. Um, and then his parents took him out. And I was just like, why are you taking this kid out? Like, I put five inches on his oh, vertical. I, I, yeah, like he's all his lists are going so far up. And, um, you know, they, they, you know, were convinced that if he was at another school, he'd go to a different kind of college or all this stuff. And, um, all you always you need to show them numbers the right way. He'll go over the fuck he wants to go, but yeah. Uh, well, that and he needs like to go where his parents think he needs to go. He needs to either, you know, he needed to grow two inches, basically. Huh. It was like you just, you know, at a at a certain level, and the kids never understand this. And when you, I think when you come to understand like the psychology of like really young people, um, they're easily tricked. They're easily fooled, and they don't have like the type of processing and like perspective that comes on later in life. Like the things that are not present yet in your brain are the kinds of things that, you know, weed out like going to a trainer who drives you backwards for a year, (laughs) you know, like just, you'd see so many stories of that. And you see so many stories of like kids getting led astray. And it's like that happens because the kids, that part of their brain that like would say like, you know, warning, danger, this is logically like this doesn't add up. That's like that doesn't come online really until their 20s. Which is why young kids do like such questionable things all the time. Um, True. But it's also a, a situation of like, um, this is, you know, not really based on experience. This is just my read on the situation coming in as someone who was largely an outsider. And I, I think, you know, the, the kids, I get nothing but positive feedback from them. And even the kids who left, they still all talk to me. Um, they don't talk to the other coaches. Um, but the, the kids who, you know, don't understand recruiting or don't understand that, you know, Hey, if you're five, nine, you know, like you gotta be super freakish. If you want to go D one, you know, if small schools are calling you and you're five, nine, it doesn't mean that you're a bad football player at all. It just means that like you're five, nine, (laughs) you know, like there's, it's, it's gotta be much like basketball. You know, if you're a six, four center, you know, like you're not going D one, like you could, you could average 50 a game. You're not a D one center. Yeah. They don't, they don't know that the people, when they're looking at their body type, their height, their weight, all that, 
it doesn't matter how much you dominate in high school because then you're going to a team where there's going to be a bunch of other dudes that dominate in high school, but they play true to that position, have the body type that's just made for that position. You can't be a fat point guard. It just doesn't work out. Right. Fat, you know, and you can't be a short center. Right. Because no matter – even if you have a 40-inch vertical, the seven-footer yeah. is going to beat you more oftentimes than not because he doesn't have to jump to get to the same height as you. Right. And that means he's not exhausted trying to get the rebound every time. Exactly. His margin you know, of – like what the Lakers are doing right now to, yeah. to the heat. His margin of – you know, the taller player, his margin of error <laughs> is giant. Yeah, he can yeah. he can have bad reactions, bad times, whatever, because he's seven feet tall all the time, yeah. and he's got the arms that come with being seven feet tall. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so little things like that. But my uh, my sort of motto and philosophy again, like I lost the kid who jumped thirty six, and I love that kid. I lost the kid who jumped forty, and I like that kid. And I lost the kid who jumped who benched. 350 and 380 like I lost those kids but I turned around and you know in a couple months had two kids who were jumping you know 0.4 and 0.6 inches higher you know it I had to put eight inches on them to do that you know but I did that in the same week had two kids hit 40 you know, it's it's kind of like Jay-Z says, you know, like, okay, so make another hove. You know, so I'm not. I, uh, I'm, oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, so I was just going to say, so I'm not afraid of losing those kids. And in fact, I think the way that you keep those kids is, you know, like any team's going to have a handful of those guys who might leave if they get recruited away. And again, I live in Florida where like, that's a big problem. Um, I, you know, other places football might not be the giant force that it is here, but for every one kid who, you know, looks around and says, man, if I was at that school across town, I'd go D one. You got like 15 kids who, you know, like football is just kind of something they do. And like you depend on those kids to be a good team. And what I've always seen is that most coaches aren't trying to develop those kids. They just take for granted that those kids are there and they all squabble over like the freaks. But you go like, you know, especially in a public school like I'm at. Okay. So you're going to have maybe five or six freaks. If you want to keep them, make all those average Joe type players better, which no one cares about them. Cause they just assume like, Oh, this isn't an athletic kid. Naturally. He probably has a low ceiling. So what's the use? And it's like, yeah, but you can very right. predictably and very easily make him stronger. And suddenly he jumps higher, runs faster, which makes him, you know, makes it easier for him to establish and maintain blocks to, you know, keep up with a guy in coverage and then all of a sudden your freak players stick around because you're winning two, three more games a year. All right. Um, do you now the last time we I remember we talked, we you talked about how like you like to uh for max effort <clears throat> when you're gonna do the jumps, mm-hmm. you'll have them usually do the squat or the deadlift first. Yeah. And then you go do the jumps for, for contrast. I'm trying to remember, did you say you would do all like 20 to 40, whatever, how many you're doing that day in jumps all after, would you do some to warm up, then go squat, 
then go jump. Because I know Bird, when I talked to him, he was saying he would do that. He would do 20, then squat or sprint, and then go back and do the 20 or, you know, however many it takes to get to that max. Um, no, I, uh, I, I think I remember saying like that that was a good idea and I should do that. Um, oh, so right. that <laughs> sounds like a good idea and I should go do that. Um, so my big thing, you know, like bird is usually working out with just a couple athletes at a time. Right. So right, like right. he gets to train everyone pretty much optimally. Yeah. And he's, yeah, yeah. you know, I was just talking to Zingler about that. Yeah. He's like, yeah, man, I, I'm dealing with 30, 40 kids. <laughs> Can't really do that. Yeah. So, like, there are days when I'd have, you know, 60 kids at a time. Um, so, we have some old boxes that are, like, you know, maybe 30 inches high. Uh, just mm-hmm. some old wood boxes that they built at some point. And right. so... uh what we would do a lot of the times is we start off with our max effort or um, our speed work or whatever. And then, and because max effort is earlier in the week, you know, the assumption is the kids are coming off of a weekend or they're less fatigued. So you're probably going to get your better jumps early in the week is right. what I found. Um, so they would do what I was doing over the summer was they would do isometric work uh, pulls against pins and then they would do their max effort exercise and that worked really well um so when we started doing the isometric work we saw big increases in their maxes and big increases in their jumps like simultaneously but so isos their max effort then their jumps um and at that point, because um, I had to split every, I had to split everyone up into different groups over the summer because we couldn't have more than twenty kids in any place. So we had sixty kids, but twenty of them were doing like field work with the other coaches, which was supposed to be like, you know, installing plays and learning about routes and, you know, like learning the stuff that they were going to need. Very often did I find it was that, you know, kids would come in huffing and puffing. I go, you know, like, what did y'all work on today? And they're like, we just ran. I was like, oh, great. Like, oh, just, cool. Like, so I'm going to get bad lifts and bad jumps from y'all. Awesome. Um, but then the group that maybe, you know, the group that had started in the weight room uh, would always jump the best. They would have the most consistent progress and they would have the biggest progress the group that started on jumps and then went to the weight room, they would have pretty good progress, but it wouldn't be as good. And then the kids who started on the field first would have the slowest progress. So, um, and the kids who went to the field last coaches would say like that they had the best field workouts. Is it because the CNS has been so stimulated? Yeah. Like, they're awake and feeling good too. Right? Yeah. They're awake. Oh, I just got a PR. Yeah. They're, they're awake. They're feeling good. It's the last thing they've got to do. Nothing that they did beforehand was mentally taxing. Um, so it works best for everybody. 
it seems, to do that route of lift, jump, then go do your practice work. But um, but for some of the kids, I keep having all of these fantasy full like buzzing here. Um, but for some of the kids, yeah, we would like if they were in the jump group first, um, we would do box jumps uh, again to these relatively low unadjustable boxes. Um, we might try and get like 15 box jumps out of the way so that they were awake and, you know, the blood was going and then step on the jump mat or then do. How, how many times would they get? Um, so we jump? would usually go like maybe three to five times, say with dumbbells and then maybe three times or, you know, about three times with, uh, you know, usually some sort of unweighted variety. Um, whether it's like, no yeah, step, whether it's the, uh, yeah, um, the starting from the bottom and the seated, you know, seated on like a 14 inch box, a uh, small depth jump off of a 12 inch box. Um, yeah, the no step. Now I've got, um, a cheap vertex knockoff. Um, and they actually shipped me two. I ordered one, they shipped me two. So I set up both of them and one's, you know, starting at like eight, one's eight to 10 feet and one's 10 to 12. So I can, you know, have them do like a max touch now. Um, And I can set up both so that, you know. What is uh, the the vertex? The thing that you jump up and slap the. Yeah. The sticks. So Vertec, I think, is just oh, one okay, of the okay. popular brands. That's like the the standard sort mm-hmm. of brand. And then I have some Chinese knockoff that was red, which works because it's uh, <laughs> that's our school colors. And it was like two hundred bucks, and they shipped me two. Okay. On accident, so I have. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a regular take that Vertex, like about a grand, or you know maybe a little less. It's like cool now for like a hundred bucks a piece. I got two of these things. Um, and then I've got a couple broad jump mats. Um, one is really nice and it goes out to 15 feet in case I ever have someone broad jump 15 feet. Um, <laughs> or like the running one, right? I guess. Well, actually, no, the running ones they go to like 20 something, they usually, right? Because the standing is like, really good is like 11 something so the running's like till 20 for right i think like if you do the oh yeah running, we have jump, those people get up to like 20 yeah our 23 or something actually i know the girls get up to 22 i think the guys it's like 25 yeah i think 26 is crazy. like you know olympic level we have a kid who's a olympic, he's a yeah. four-time no he's a five-time aau uh, he currently ha- holds our jump record at 40.7 inches. Um, and he's, he's mm. tiny. Um, and he's touched 10 foot 10 on the, on the vertex. And when I posted a picture of that, yeah, he's he like, like five, maybe seven? five, seven. Um, and he touched 10, 10. Mm. Um, and I mean, in the picture, no, with standing, a, with a, a few steps. Um, but when he does that, 
there's a uh, like a 42 inch box in the background and he's a good like right. maybe two three inches over that so he's he's way up there mm. um and he just we i think we put a hundred plus pounds on his box jump or his box squat and he's only you know like he went from like 135 to like high 140s um but his best long jump in competition is 24 9 um our state record is 25 2 for a high schooler the national record set by that uh his name like matt bowling um the white kid that everyone speculates as to whether he's on steroids or not um uh, yeah, just well, get caught. well, this kid was like 16 <laughs> running like, you know, 10 flat. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh, but he, shit. you know, and he's a white kid. So, it, you know, it, it just like it doesn't like feel right, like watching it, you know. Um, so, check the yeah. hair, check the pimples um, on the bag. But he also <laughs> set the uh, high school long jump record after setting the high school 100 and 200 records. And mm. when you watch him run and stuff, he's a good runner, but he really just beats everyone because he's so much stronger. Um, so I'm like, you know, sure, mm. say that he's on steroids. It's just like Louis says, you know, like, why do you take steroids to get stronger? If you're not taking steroids. Mm. What should you definitely do? Lift weights to get stronger. <laughs> um, <laughs> like this. <laughs> do the same thing through a different means. Um, but yeah, so we have that kid's a phenomenal athlete and I'm sure he'll go somewhere on like a full ride for track. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the key point is as everyone's box squat goes up, they get faster, they jump higher, they jump further. Um, but yeah, so we got a bunch of different, you know, tools and tricks for him. The hard part is the kids who are like kind of shy who, you know, like they don't get the same reps simply because like, they're so anxious about doing it, you know? So especially like with their teammates and stuff around the kids who have the more, you know, extroverted personalities and stuff to again, kind of quote Louie, like those kids, they love like my kid who got stuck at 35 while we were, you know, like I had noticed that all of his best jumps were when there was like a crowd around the jump mat and then he would walk up. Uh, I posted him jumping a 39, eight the other day while like casually eating an apple. And it was like, it was, I think it was his second (laughs) jump. Um, and he had, he had just been hurt like the, the week before. So I was like, you know, how, you know, how good are you feeling? And he goes, I'm feeling pretty good. And he says, you know, I'm feeling like a 40. And uh, I was like, I got the jump mat right there, you know, and he goes, yeah, break it out. And he's eating. I was like, are you going to put your apple down? No. And all is right before JV game. So all the (laughs) JV kids are looking over at him and they all think that he must be like, he must be able to go like straight to the pros or something just because they're just scared of like, what does a kid two years older than look like? And, you know, like, he's a cut up <laughs> kid and stuff. 
but uh so he looks like jack and stuff but he's he's like you know relatively short and he's to me he's tiny he's 190 i'm 70 so i'm like you know you're still a little boy to me but uh he walks up in front of them eating an apple casually just (laughs) rips off a 39.8 and looks around at the crowd goes like you like that and then takes a big bite of <laughs> yeah, I was just like, like that. that's that's like that's what he likes. He likes a bit of a crowd. So when he's <laughs> jumping and it's just him and me, he gets super frustrated because he'll hit something like two inches lower than normal and won't be able to do anything. So when he was hitting these thirty fives over and over again, I was like, dude, all you need is to come in on one of these days when the whole team is there, and someone goes like, you know, oh shit, what's he gonna do? and kind of challenges you and then you're going to break off and you know like do something crazy which at the time i was saying like a 36 and sure enough his team lines up and he goes straight from 35 6 to 38 5 and one you know one workout um wow would you would you push him to try to do a mix of doing it with and without the crowd just so he doesn't get used to always having the crowd you know, because then there's going to be times that the crowd is booing you and then there's on a way and then others, you know what I mean? Like, do you purposely, will you purposely rotate and be like, nah, I want the most stimulus. So I want him always trying to get that 39 and always um, have a crowd. No, I mean, I can't really control whether there's a crowd there, you know? So oh, right, like, it's right, even right, still right. like there are days when yeah. we go into train for class and so we're just coming off of a point where like our varsity team got shut down for two weeks because of COVID. So they were all on quarantine. So, you know, he comes in uh, and you've got like, you know, practices suspended and you've only got, you know, you come into a a class that's supposed to have nearly 30 kids and there's eight, you know, and then, but you've come Uh, back the next week, there might be 30 again. So it, you know, he he taught it like this kid in particular. He's very sort of like self motivated and very focused. So he talks about, you know, he'll come up to me and say, you know, like, man, I only jumped, you know, I only jumped to thirty seven today. And I'm like, you know, like, and I would, I never came close to a thirty seven <laughs> uh, when I went to school. Mm-hmm. the best kid on our team at a combine on a jump mat. And I was there with him. He jumped to 37 one and his brother is Antonio Cromartie <clears throat> and he was built just like Cromartie. So I was like, you don't understand. Like hmm. I'm popping y'all out to, you know, mid thirties with ease. And now, you know, you've seen three kids go 40, including yourself. Like that's not normal. <laughs> You know, like that, that normally those are freakish numbers. Um, but right. he's still very disappointed in it, you know, and he'll, he'll, you know, so he'll be mad and then he'll kind of cool down and he'll go, well, you know what? I remember in June, a bad day for me was jumping 33. And he goes, so my bad days are four inches higher. And then he starts saying, you know, I, yeah. Then he was saying, you know, Take I went to Rivals in January and I jumped to 29. So, like, I'm counting from like February on, but, you know, like shortly before uh, training with me, he was he was even lower. 
And he's like, you know, when I went to rivals, I had just jumped to 30, you know, like at school. And then I jumped to 29 and I was all bummed about it. And he says, but now, you know, like I want to make sure that even if I show up to a combine, even if they make me run a 40 first or they, you know, like even if they, they, you know, it, there's a 1700 kids there like rivals and it just takes forever. And it's not well suited to anyone actually getting good results. He's like, I want to know that my best or that my worst day is enough. Yeah. Yeah, So he kind of, everybody else, you know, like the sort of true to conjugate, he doesn't just have like a max for every variation. He has like, my max when I'm tired, my max when I had to work the night before, my max when, you know, like my max when, right. uh, you know, I'm on four hours sleep. So he's just like, if I just keep moving everything up, move my worst days up, when I have good days, they'll be, you know, spectacular. He's doing a, a tired versus great yeah. force velocity curve. Shift yeah. it up and right. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, oh, okay. So this is a big question I have because I get so many different coaches saying different things. So like, let's say, could you take me through a max effort day, lower body from like warm up to finish when you have a team versus when you have an individual? Yeah. Um So if I have, if I have an individual, like basically, uh, the max, the actual max effort itself is probably going to take, uh, you know, it's probably going to take a lot longer because I'm going to be coaching like in between each rep. Right. And as you can tell, like I talk a lot. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, so. Uh, with two kids that I train, um, I'm a really big fan of board press. Um, now a lot, like I'm a big fan of board press. Um, as I said before, like we use a bench press, like a 17 inch bench press as like a high box, you know, sort of like, you know, scientifically people will be like, well, there's not, you know, high box doesn't really do a whole lot of good for you. It's, it's, you know, too high, but when you're working with young kids, you know, like for me, I always push myself in anything that I do. I've from a young age known how to push, especially now that I've, you know, been around 14 and 15 and sometimes 13 year olds, like on a football field in a sport like football, like where you go like, hey, fire out of your stance. And a kid tells you, I am. And you go, no, you're just standing straight up half a second after the ball is snapped. You know, like, but the kid thinks that they're, they like, they legitimately think that they're doing what you're asking <laughs> of them. But they're not used to pushing yeah. themselves. You know, like, if I say go fast and you've never gone fast, you're going to go slow and tell me that's fast. (laughs) It's the fastest, you know, right? So I had, uh, you know, and so people say like, Oh, well, you know, a high box doesn't really translate. 
well, if mentally the objective is, you know, uh, I had I had six kids in a three week window where we went low box, high box and went right back to low box. So not even uh, not even three weeks in two weeks, I had six kids out of um, I think in that window we had maybe like 68 kids who did the max effort on the low box both times because a lot of kids, you know, it was over the summer. A lot of kids were traveling and stuff. So you would get a different mix of kids. And some days you'd have 20 or, you know, more or less kids. But in one day we had six kids hit between 90 and 110 pound PRs in two weeks. Damn. And, you know, like you go like, okay, your 13 inch box squat went up 110 pounds. And it was, you know, it wasn't like the first time they had done, you know, the, but it wasn't the first and second time they had done the box. Squat. It was, you know, the fourth and fifth. It was the seventh and eighth. You know, like these were kids who for the most part had been around, but suddenly they hit this huge jump and it's like, what did I do in between? We did a high box. So what happened? Well, a kid who was maxing out at 185 by raising the box four inches, he was able to get 315. Mm. And then he came back when we dropped the box back down again and he does like 275. And you go, did I really make him 90 pounds stronger in two weeks? No. What happened was he had never felt anything more on his back than 185. Right, right. So then once he felt 315, he had to actually like his central nervous system had to actually light up for that. Right. Like he had to actually strain and it was high enough that for some reason, you know, like his body would allow him to actually push. But now when he goes back to 185 to a much lower box. He's not quitting because it feels hard. Or, or, or this, the nervous scare factor, too. I find that the same thing with, like, a, like the high rack pull, where people are like, well, does that much yeah. carry over? But like you said, gets that central nervous system firing like crazy. Then number two, if they're still new to box squatting, something that where they're, they're like, I don't know if my ass is going to get there. And I'm like, yo, you got another foot before you miss the box. But they do so much more weight, you go back, like you said, and now he does 275. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not even that far off from 315. <laughs> right, right. And, well, that's – and that's the great thing is that he does 275 and he's mad. Ah, yes. And I go, like, what are you mad about? And he's like, I did 315 last week. Because <laughs> they're, they're yeah. young and they're – you know, young people are generally – it's a condition of being young. You're yeah. stupid. <laughs> like, you don't understand – you know, they don't, their expectation is just, I should do the same, you know, I should do the same weight plus five, right. like no matter what the variation is. So when you go to an easier variation, it's, you have to really press them, like try more weight, try more weight, try more weight, try more weight. And then you go back to a harder variation and they go, Oh, I don't want to do this one. It feels so hard, but they're young and stupid. So they can't remember even what they did two weeks ago. So the kid hits a 90-pound PR, he thinks he's gone backwards. <laughs> and you say, dude, that's a 90-pound PR. No, it's not. I've always done this. <laughs> like, All right, no. Like, you know, the kid's 13 years old. And you're like, no. You, in fact, have never come close to that. 
but I just did it last week. That was to a higher box. So what are you saying? A higher box is easier. <laughs> You're in an easier, it's an easier position. <clears throat> oh, yeah. So I actually had a good day today? I'm like, yeah, you had a good day. <clears throat> and then two weeks later, he can't remember what he did on the eighth of those days. <laughs> but all he knows now is that, you know, in order for him to freak out about the amount of weight on his back, you have to go a lot heavier, mm. <laughs> you know, in um, the same thing on board press. Uh, I learned that's like a thing that I learned from Hoff and he did that to me. You know, just the idea of like, uh, I said, you know, like, what would it take to get me to bench 500? He goes, 500 is not hard. Hmm. I was like, I'm talking raw. And he's like, I know that's not hard. He just looks at me and goes, you should be able to bench 500. I'm like, well, that's the, that's the mindset of a, of a champion there. You know, <laughs> that's how you move the biggest weights, I guess. And I said, well, how would I do that? And he goes, easy. What's the lowest you've gone with 500? That's <laughs> <laughs> like, I've never had it in my hands before. And he goes, well, that's your problem. Yeah. And he goes, so do, you know, could you do 500 to a six board? Or could you do 500 to like a seven board? It's like, I've never even heard of a seven board. I don't yeah, think I'd have any range you. of motion. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't think I'd have any range of motion. And he goes, but so you could do it. Takes out of his I'm bag. like, it would just be resting. on. Yeah. He's just like, it would just be resting on the board. Like, yeah, I could do that. He goes, okay. So a six board, could you do that? And I was like, I guess. And he goes, so if you can do it to a six, you can do it to five. And I was like, what are you talking Okay. And he goes, so you could do it to a four board. I said, uh, maybe. <laughs> and he goes, well, what's the most you've ever held in your hands? I was like, 455 to a three. And he goes, okay, go do 500 to a four. And I was like, but that's 45 more pounds. And I haven't done 455 to a three recently. And he's like, yeah, so, but. <laughs> It's only one board lower than a six, and you can do it on a six. So you can do it on a five. So I did 495 times five. And I was like, yeah, actually, that wasn't like hard. He's like, why'd you stop? I was like, I don't know. I got weirded out that it was so much more weight than I'd ever held. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's scary. All right, next week. Just the unracking part. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) I better get tight. Yeah. Drop it on my neck. Yeah. But then, but then he said, I said, you know, he, he goes, okay, well, so next week do more than that to a three. I was like, wait, so you want me to go down and do more weight, more weight for a larger range of motion? He goes, yeah, well, you did five to a four. So yeah, try and do more to a three. So I did, uh, I said, okay. And I go back and I did five forty-five to a three. Oh shit. I was like, okay, so a 90 pound, we're talking about a bench press, a 90 pound PR, like just from him basically resetting the expectation in me, who was at the time, like a 32 year old who had, you know, spent five years around West side, like to a guy who could bench five, you know, four twenty five to my chest. Uh, hitting a 90 pound PR was, you know, again, not like I'm some 16 year old with good genetics or something, right. you know, it, it's just like, 
literally just the conversation and understanding the mindset and the idea that he was talking about. And then he goes, go down to a two. Now I had just done a two board <laughs> a couple weeks before where I'd done uh, like 435. And that had been an all time PR. He's like, yeah. So, you know, so my two board PR was 435 and my three board was 545. And he goes, okay, so go do that. So I got up to 495 for a double and I missed 515 just because I like was like way too excited. (laughs) And like, and kind of hit like adrenaline burnt myself out. And then. Then I went 455 to a one the following week. And I I missed by like the smallest I've ever missed anything, 475. Ah. And I was just like, are you like a fucking wizard? Like, how are you doing? Like, what'd you do to me? I'm like, because I've read all, you know, I've read all the books. I've read all the articles and stuff like, and he's like, yeah, you just simply, he's just like, you are just that strong said you just need to stop pretending like you aren't strong sometimes i think that's my problem too i did uh because you know like play basketball you just kind of suck at bench pressing mm-hmm. so now that like i stopped playing basketball i've always been like i think i can bench like 260 maybe three and because i hadn't done like just a regular flat bench in a while especially because i don't do training partners but then i just started this new gym uh as a coach now and like I had spotters and all that, and I think I had a, a five board, and I never I mm-hmm. usually do don't do board pressing at all because I never have a partner to hold the damn thing for me. So then I I took yeah. out, I did two seventy five, and it was like nothing. And my boss was like, "Yo, put some real weight on the goddamn bar." <laughs> so then I yeah. jumped right away, did three fifteen, and it wasn't like too crazy. Like, and I'm like, "Oh shit." Whatever my regular bench press is probably also higher, but I think I could have even did more. But it's just like those pushes, like beach, you know, like always Louis says with the porn as a training partner, is like you're leaving a lot on the table. And if you're doing that over mm-hmm. and over, like you're missing out. So, like you said, you just did like four or five weeks in a row, but like think of how much stronger you got in that short amount of time compared to like a year, you know? So it's like, yeah, you could be propelling your training just from literally not leaving shit on the tank just because you're like, well, I can't, I assuming that you can't do this and you can't do that. Uh, yeah. It helps you have Dave Hall. Well, I had, though, like no motherfucker. You could bench five foot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you just feel like ashamed telling him like weights <laughs> that <Yeah>. feel heavy. <laughs> uh, but he, he would always say to me like, you know, like, cause I asked him a million times for the documentary. Like what is, what is, you know, what does 1300 pounds feel like on your back? And he would just say, what's your max? And say, it feels like that. Just like the percentages. And it's just relative. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, especially as I've been around like high schoolers and stuff, like high schoolers will talk, you know, there was one day where I was in the gym and like middle child came on. And someone goes like, you know, oh, J. Cole, J. Cole, that's that old school. <laughs> and I was like, yo, this is like a number. This was like a big song last summer. And they're talking about like old school and it's a throwback and stuff. And I'm like, this song is a year old. I'm like, I am his age. Like, 
what are <laughs> and i realized like you know like i i started realizing like with myself like you know the way that i would like look listen to like Pac or biggie and think like oh that was so long ago <laughs> when i was in high school right and i was like shit in the year 2000 i'm going like man that biggie album from like 1998 was so long ago and i'm you know like nah it was like two years ago (laughs) and and you know but like as you grow older your idea of time like people think that like time you you know like if you visualized like you know you were like i'm 16 years old if you physically constructed my memory and you put it in this jar you know like i filled up a jar that was like you know one quart and they think like when i get you know when i get to you know when i get to like be 50 or when i get to be you know 60 i'm gonna have four quarts i'm gonna have a gallon of memory and you go like no you keep pouring memories into the quart and they never spill over like because you're your real like conception of time is is pretty much solidified like you're you you don't ever get more of it all right does that make sense like you're you know like so you you know like what feels to me now at 33 like it was just yesterday and i think about like oh that was actually like you know 15 years ago it feels like it was just yesterday (laughs) i'm like Oh, it's always going to feel like it was just yesterday because we're not built, you know, like we, we aren't evolved to have recorded and stored information in the way that we do time passes. It's like, that's not how our brain. Yeah. That's not how our brain processes anything. Probably get over in the same way where like, yeah, but I'm like, it's things like pain are the same way. Things like stress, you know, physical stress, the intensity of a weight. You know, when I'm 14 years old, 135 felt heavy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you're like, 135, can... 135 is always 135. But you change around it. Your perception of it changes. It never changes. Like, so, yeah, your max. And then you go like, well, if I thought my max was, you know, like if just the heaviest weight I had ever held was also my max. Then maybe I just didn't hold heavy enough weight. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think about stuff like that all the time. Like the idea of expectation, especially with like raw lifting, like in the, you know, sixties or seventies when guys were hitting 600 pound bench for the first time. And they like set that record and you look at it and go like, you know, oh, will it ever be broken? Right. Yeah. You know, but now it's like, well, there's 20 guys who can do that now. And there's one guy who can do damn near 800. And I'm sure as soon as that guy hits 800, there's like a 14 year old out there right now who's going to hit like 900. (laughs) So it's all just, 
you know, did we collectively as like a society think that 800 was so big? And because we all thought that it actually slowed everyone's progress down. Right. It's always like, who's ever done just like that's the number I got to get. But then that number becomes the old number eventually. Yeah. Just like at the high school with my high school kids, you know, I tell them, I'm like, hey, did you know Rivals tested 7,005 kids this year before COVID? 7,005. All of those kids are kids who want to play college ball, right? I was like, if we survey our team right now, like a third of y'all want to play college ball. So if y'all went to a combine, only that one third would go. So if for every like one kid who's there, there's at least three kids who don't go. And so it's only like the best of the best who go. 7,000 win. 4.2% could jump 30 inches. Damn. 30 inches, yeah. that's it? Oh, shit. 30 inches, that's yeah, it. You go to, but you do the, the, the college, it'll be, for basketball, it'll be even less, which is hilarious. Yeah. That's because we don't lift weights. So. <laughs> right. But it was like, it was like 0.1%, or actually, I think out of 7,005, I think that there were like seven kids who jumped 40. Damn. And this is nationally seven who jumped 40. And like one of those jumped like a 44 something. So like national, like in the entire state of Florida, the highest that they got was like a high 36, which part of that is probably because the, you know, they did it in like January for the state of Florida. And then oh, some of the other, or don't you know? No playoffs, um, right? Yeah, right. Not well, no, not playoffs because then kids would, by and large, be like at their most fatigued. But you think about like in January, the kids are on average three months younger. Oh, because you don't have seniors there. Oh, uh. yeah. Uh. Now someone's calling me. This is great. Um, I can't get this app to like block out the other notifications while I'm on it. Um, but so you have, and they're calling again. Like I know this isn't important. Okay, there we go. But you have, you know, like so you have all these kids in there, you know maybe on average they're three months younger and you don't have the seniors because the seniors they've they're already their time is kind of passed but point being you have like like i said i coach for a team that has not been good of late so when they started we had four kids jump in 30 four now we have 28 and that's including like the freshmen and stuff so if you include every single kid who i have tested a lot of these kids like have quit but and you know a lot of these kids were freshmen you know so they're 13 years old they're 14 they're not the you know they don't have training time under their belt uh you look at my entire roster of kids that I've trained. 
26.8%, I think, have hit 30 or above with 340s. But so the kids, when they're in my gym hey. or they're, they're at our school, they all, and again, they're kids, so they don't, they don't process time well. So they can't remember January when, like, they were clapping for their friend for jumping 26. Oh, shit. Like, That's crazy. You know, they're all. They're like, oh, I don't remember those days. Yeah. 26. Been jumping 40 my whole yeah. life. Uh, well, I mean, like, the kid jumping 26 isn't jumping 40 now. He's jumping 35. You know, like, or he's jumping 34. Still- yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they don't understand, like, you know, you hear, like, Jared or, or Bird talk. And Bird will talk about like how he has some kids where they make huge progress in really short periods of time. And I'm super jealous. But but Jared <laughs> talks about how like sort of on average, he's like, you know, if you're putting an inch on a month, that's pretty good. Like, cause, you know, that's it's a sustainable sort of pace. Uh right. you know, you're taking a, a tenth off a month. That's pretty good. That you can keep that up for a while, um, but like, yeah, these kids, you know, they don't remember. Then I'm like, dude, if I showed y'all like the spreadsheet of what the numbers were just you know two months ago, it was a big deal to jump 33. You know, like no one was doing that, and now like seven of y'all are doing that. And y'all were all, they don't think it's yeah, a big and like, deal. I'm like, y'all were freaking out about kids like leaving or transferring out and y'all have all passed their numbers. You know, like when we do the Powerball toss, I'm like, it used to be a big deal for y'all to hit 30 feet on the Powerball. We got 60 something players who can hit 30 feet on the Powerball. But if you go to the opening where they do the Powerball, the average Powerball there is like 27.8. And like our, our really? freshmen will make fun of you if you for do that. For football too? Yeah, yeah for football. Damn. I mean, it's a weird movement. Like most people just aren't used to it. Um, well, how, which, what position is it done in? Like I'm trying to picture. Kneeling with your toes back. Mm-hmm. Um, throwing, a, I think they threw a 3K. So 6.6 pounds. I couldn't find a 3K medicine ball, so we just used six pound. So, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. our numbers are, you know, slightly inflated by that. But it's not. And you throw it behind? Or no, you like press it. it oh, it's press almost it like okay. a, it's like a chest pass, basically. And you fall? Do you have, do you, is it the one where you like pass, fall to your hands? Yeah. Like that? Or, yeah. Okay, okay. I and so our team record by the same kid who jumps 40.5, which is only our number two jump. That kid has thrown 43, 43 feet. Dang. Derrick Henry threw 42.7. And this kid's, you know, short and 190. Um, and that was, you know, he was still a sophomore when he did that. Uh, we haven't done it in, you know, a couple months. So I have him do it two, three times. He'll probably be right back in the 43, if not higher. But, like, to these kids, because they've lost for, you know, because they haven't been good for several years, which several years in high school terms 
you know, is if you're a sophomore and y'all haven't had a winning season in four years, that means you probably have never heard of your team having a winning season because you probably weren't paying attention at all when you were in sixth grade. But so your expect the expectation becomes, well, we're not a good team. So anything that we're doing in the weight room, our numbers must not be that good. And I go like, you know, we have, there's five-star athletes in this town and none of them have been able to go put up a 40 at a combine. I'm like, but I, but I take three kids who have no stars between them and they're jumping 40. <laughs> no yeah. No yeah. So I'm like, you know, so like y'all got your heads down about like, you know, how good you are and stuff. And I'm like, you don't realize how much better you are. And then it becomes like that, right. like that bench press. You're tapping out early because you're expecting that you're not that strong, you know, but what if you pushed through with like everything that you had, suddenly you hit that right. 90 pound or that 110 pound PR. How do you, how do you know when to shut them down? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you judge that by the speed of how long it took for them to press the previous one or, um, I mean, normally they like they'll hit it fast and still be like, yeah, I think that's it for me. And I'll just be like, uh, no, okay, yeah, you yeah. need to like, nah, nah. It, I'm like, you're at like 80 percent right now. You just you're just not. <laughs> you just did. Speed yeah, work. I'm like, but you have to realize like and it's the same as on the field when they go like, oh, you know, I can't come out of my stance faster. And it's they ah, like yeah. they legitimately think that they can't, but you have to remember they haven't built any of these like neural pathways. They have no context. They think that they're going a hundred percent, and they can't see what it looks like. And you have to remember too that under stress, you know, like your perception of time slows down, or really your brain speeds up, so it makes time feel like it's going slower. So you move the bar fast, but to you, it was stressful. So it felt like it took much longer than it did. Right. You know, so, um, I mean, I'll, I'll let them go to failure. Like I, I have no, <laughs> and with, with two kids, I've watched a miss 285 on foreboard and miss it twice. And said, like, no, you can do that. That's easy. <laughs> and then, you know, had a little talk about Dave Hoff and magically putting weight on my bench press. And they turned around and went 285, got it on their third time. 290, got it easier than 285. 295, got it easy. 300, got it easy. 305, 310, 315. And finally, one missed 320. And one continued all the way up to missing 325. But to watch a kid miss the same weight twice and then say, yeah, then go, not only go do it, but then take what singles. I mean, how many singles is that even going up in five pound increments? And in both cases, I asked them, you know, what's the biggest, what's the most weight you ever had held in your hands? And for both of them, they said 275. So they went 275, then threw fives on. It's 285. They're not they're not missing it because they're weak. They're missing it because they're we, you know freaked out about the number. 
So yeah. they struggle with that number. As soon as they get it, they realize how foolish it is that they're toying around with that number. And suddenly they hit, you know, <laughs> 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, and 35 pounds more. And you, like, so you to take to miss it twice and then take eight singles and make all eight of them. But you got to remember too, like, yeah, but you got to remember too, like, uh, and this is, again, this is something that I pulled from talking to to Jared, the idea that like, you know, if you look at like Prilipin's chart or you listen to, you know, you listen to Louie or something talking about what is optimal, you have to understand like kids are basically all on steroids. They recover super fast. Their hormones are great. They don't always need 72 hours, depending on how old they are. And you combine, they're just, you know, they're all like little Wolverine. They can just, you know, regenerate. You combine that with the fact that, like, it's not like Louie writing about, you know, what's optimal for somebody doing a 700-pound geared bench press. That's a very high output. That's going to create a lot of fatigue. If, you know, if you've never benched 200 and you haven't gone through puberty, like you can recover from everything and you're not strong enough to really create much fatigue for yourself. That's what Zingler was saying about the jumps. And he's like, I just have them jump every single day, 20 jumps a day. Yeah. Because he's just like, if they're not jumping 40 inches, they're not going to really be beat up. If they're jumping 25. He's like, I just, I just, uh, I'll just jump every day. Oh, oh, that's, uh, so I have a Mm -hmm. question about, actually about that. He said, because those kids are the ones that are usually are um, squatting 185, he'll be like, I'll just have them instead of a dynamic day because it will basically be like like the bar, maybe 10 pounds Mm -hmm. on each side. I'll just do repetition method and jump for their dynamic, but I won't have them squat because they don't get enough. They don't get the same stimulus as a guy that can squat four hundred. Yeah, know what I mean, like that's <laughs> smart. Do you do? I don't. You're a football team, so you you probably have kids that obviously don't squat one eighty five. But I do. So I was I start I started thinking. No, about that. I have I, like, I have that kind of makes uh, more again. Sense. I have you know with a football team, you've got the kids who are like good, and you know like move <laughs> some weight. I you know like I've got a right. sophomore who squats ninety five and a sophomore who squats four oh five. You know, Ooh, like that's yeah. Difference. Uh, how much weight different in weight are they? Um, those two. probably like 30, 40 pounds. Oh, and uh, I got some sophomores. I didn't know. I got some soft, or I got like some freshmen and stuff who I don't think they can do 95, but they, Damn. you know, they, I don't think they weigh 95. So strange for, for football, isn't it? Is it's it just, not strange? It's just little kids. Like you're just, you know, you get so used to, especially, you know, like you got to, the difference too being, uh, and I've seen this with like a lot of trainers and stuff locally who tout like the success of their athletes. Like for the kids that I have who have jumped 40, I got kids on my JV. I got two kids on my JV. They've had the biggest improvements in their jump numbers or actually they one of them has had the biggest and one of them's had one of them's gone up 9.5 inches 
from a 20, 22 to a 31.9. And one of them's gone up from like a 21 to a 29. 21. And like, these aren't kids that if you saw them, you would think that they were athletic <laughs> at all. These are not, <laughs> That's these the kids, I, I was going over, like telling the coaches like, yo, you need to look at, we just, our, our JV coaches just quote unquote found two great kids, two great athletes. And right. we just, it, they, our JV just played last week and they had, you know, like, I don't think anyone thought that we were going to win. I thought people thought that we were going to get blown out and we physically just manhandled the other team. And our offensive line is our center is about 160. Our our fullback is like 160. <laughs> our guards are both linebackers, like starting linebackers, and they're like 190 each. Our starting defensive end is a starting offensive tackle, and he's 185. And our other offensive tackle is a kid who thought he was a punter who is about 190. So, like, we have no one over 200 pounds. We were playing a team that was lining up, like, three down linemen, all well over two. And we just mauled them up front with kids that, like, no coaches were checking for. But meanwhile, I had worked with them all summer, and I keep – I they have to – every time they max, they have to report their number to me. I write it down. I enter it in a spreadsheet. I have a running, like – I use Google Sheets and I have running sheets that, you know, like automatically update, you know, I, I track their, their bench, their squat, their vertical, their 40, you know, like, and I have sheets that are automatically like, you know, tallying the improvement. So like we, you know, we were like looking for a kid to play quarterback and this kid who was apparently on the team last year, didn't get any playing time. They didn't know that he was a quarterback. He comes out. He has a cannon for an arm. He throws ropes like he has a better ball velocity than like our varsity quarterback. And oh wow! But he, you know, is young and he had like never played quarterback. And you know, so he's just throwing darts. And sometimes they're to the right place, and sometimes they're not. But then they're like, oh, yeah, it's JV. it's JV, but he can run and he can move and he looks very unassuming. But I was telling them, guys, this kid's vertical has gone up six inches and like his squat has gone up like 120. And they're like this kid is good at everything. Like he's shown major improvement in everything. And the beauty of conjugate being, you know, like it's not like I'm just making you good at a free squat. You know, like right. every week I'm asking you to adapt to something new. And over time as the kid, you know, the first couple of weeks, it confuses the hell out of the kids. But again, they're young kids. Uh, I routinely have to like, you know, reeducate them as to the fact that I've only been there since the spring. Because to them, you know, they see me 10 times. They just like in their mind, they're like, oh, yeah, you've been my coach for like the last two years, right? I'm like, no, yeah. I've actually never seen any of y'all play a down of football. And they're like, remember last year when we were doing I'm like, guys, I've only been here like eight months. There's no last year. I don't remember any of this. I wasn't here. 
but these kids make huge jumps and to the kid it feels like they've been that good forever but to the coaches like they hadn't seen them in a year so they're going based on the assumption of what that kid was a year ago you know what that 14 year old kid what he was when he was 13 well he might be a totally new human so the coaches are kind of, you know this quarterback comes out of nowhere with a couple days practice and has a pretty good game throws for two touchdowns uh like 300 yards and we have one receiver who has like 100 plus yards receiving and catches like two long bombs and just smokes everybody and they're like where did this come from and i'm like guys he he, he brought jumps over nine feet he he's got a 32 inch vert Damn. and i'm like but in the spring he had a 26 inch vert so like they don't you know like they remember the kid who probably was only jumping like 23 a full year earlier is like these are kids who don't shave like the the progress they're making is insane <laughs> uh but like you know because of conjugate they show up because it's fun they get to jump all the time uh i normally would have them jump twice a week when we, i get them four times a week when i get them four times normally they would jump twice and then they would throw twice um and i figured that that throwing gave them some break from the jumping but still i wanted to be like very aggressive about getting as much sort of explosive uh progress as i could so i figure well if i just do you do that before the bench or after um in the spring i was doing it before in the summer i was mostly doing it after um Again, that's something where I think that they get better progress after. Um, and even if it's just, you know, a novel stimulation, I think that eventually, like, a novel stimulation, again, just resets uh, expectations to such, like, a heavy degree that it becomes more than a novel stimulus. Right. You know, so if you can get a kid to throw three feet further after he's benched, and you go like, well, is he really, you know, producing force any better or whatever? Well, he's expecting to, and he's moving better. So as he's learning the movement, he's learning a more efficient pattern. And now he expects that he throws three feet further. And the kids, you know, like right. the kids never really go backwards. They'll stall out sometimes, but they don't go backwards. If they do go backwards, you know, I got a hundred kids. So if they go backwards... <laughs> You know, like I can tell pretty quick, is it that I'm doing something? Am I giving them too much or something? Like everyone went backwards or like we had a case where um, one of our really good jumpers, a sophomore who's gone up almost nine inches, um, who's also are like Sorry, starting Sorry, running back. Me. I didn't hear what you just said. Oh, oh. Um, just saying that, like when we have someone who goes backwards, like our starting running back, he started to to sort of go backwards. His strength was still going up. His box squat was still going up, but his jumps were going down. But everyone else, everything was going up for them, you know, at different rates, but everyone was generally trending in the same direction. And he got stuck and then started to go backwards. So I started talking to him about, okay, what are you doing outside of here? 
And he said, you know, nothing. <laughs> and I go, no, what are you like? Tell me what it is that you do. He's like, well, I squat 225 for like 20 reps every day. What? <laughs> My like, God. Okay. That's. I don't. Okay. Something. So I was like, why? <laughs> yeah. I was like, why? You know, he's like, well, I want big <laughs> legs. You know, like Saquon has big legs. I want big legs. And I'm like, well, yeah, you, I'm like, first off, you already have big legs. You have gigantic legs. So that's why you, you know, run and jump so well, but doing, I was like, you, you squat, his kid squats 465 or something. So it's like, you don't, you know, squatting such a light weight, you don't need to be good at producing light force. Right. You need to be good at producing maximum force. You need to be good at sprinting past someone jumping higher, pushing harder, cutting faster. You don't need to be, I was like, this is like jogging. You don't need to be good at jogging. You need to be good at sprinting. Jogging is going to get you to the end zone. And I said, well, what else do you do? It's like, well, I've been doing a lot of, and I see on Instagram, he's been, he posts, you know, like he's doing, he's going to the volleyball courts, the sand courts. And he's doing, drills and stuff in the sand oh, yeah. courts. I don't do it. And it's Florida and like it's hot as hell. And I'm like, dude, I, I love that you're trying so hard to get better. I was like, but here's the thing. And I started to break down to him the idea that, you know, like sand when you push into it, it disperses. Which means that you have to make longer contact time with the sand in order to create movement. Because you have to compact the sand enough that you can then move i was like but when you run on we have a turf field all of our games are going to be played on turf i'm like when you run on turf or you run on you know even a real field like that's not sand it's not squishing under you you can you can hit it and your foot bounce back up pretty quick it's like so you're not creating you know like you're you're lengthening that ground contact time which is helping get you stronger, but it's also slowing you down. So you want to, you want to be able to cut quicker on a hard surface, which means you need to create and absorb force faster. It's like the sand is training you to be slower. So sure enough, he listens and his numbers start to go back in the right direction again. But like, so you can, you know, I can tell like when one person out of the herd starts to go in the opposite direction, it's usually like, you know, hey, what, what, what are you doing now? And they're like, oh, I got a job. You know, so like they're going to school all day, going to practice, and then they're going somewhere and working until midnight. And you go like, oh, well, that'll do it. You're not sleeping. You're not recovering. And believe it or not, your muscles are you getting taxed or oh, doing, doing the work too. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm like, or uh, they'll go backwards. And I go, what happened? And they go, Oh, my parents hired me a trainer. Fucking Christ. And I'm just like, yeah. And I'm just like, yo, like not to act like I'm a big shot or anything, but I'm like, y'all understand, like people offer me money all the time to train them. It's like, I'm the best trainer in town, but you get me for free and you get me at the school where you're used to losing. So you assume what I'm a loser too, (laughs) but your numbers are going up. I don't get it. Like, yeah, well, their numbers, their numbers are going up, but they don't know what the kids at the other right. schools are doing. 
I say again, like, yo, when I went here, we went to the playoffs every year. We were, you know, like the two best teams in the last 30 years at the school. I was a starter on both of them. And I go like, we were way stronger, but we had one kid who could jump 36 inches. Just one. I'm like, y'all have had four. We got a 250 pound defensive end. Who's on the verge of hitting 36. I'm like, if he went to the combine, he'd be the, like his numbers stack up with the top defensive ends at the NFL combine. I'm like, but y'all see him and go, well, he doesn't have big time offers. He, you know, like, and y'all go like, well, he's not good. So those numbers must not be good. And I'm like, number one, like that kid's pretty good. He's hurt all the time. You know, some of that's physical and some of that's mental, but I was like, you know, but I was, I was just like, you know, just cause like y'all think little of yourselves doesn't mean that your numbers are little. Right. It's like, so eventually y'all are going to actually take the field against somebody else. And like one of y'all is going to run by somebody that you're not really yeah, supposed, supposed to. to <laughs> yeah. And that's also part of like now working with the JV. One of the things that I'm super excited about is like, I get to like introduce them to my expectations and like right. my mentality. Like they don't, <laughs> our, our JV kids, a lot of times they don't train with the varsity kids either. Even during the summer, like our freshmen were making way better progress than the varsity kids. And whenever they saw the varsity kids, they only got to see like the best kids. So like also, you stopped you know, them from kids score or, and the parents before like there's crazy high expectations, they'll start getting faster, stronger, quick. So by the time that junior year, it's like, no, whatever they've been doing is like working. You know, you know what I mean? Like you get more time with these kids. unlike that junior senior and the parents and the kid, they're like in a frantic rush. Like, Oh, Oh, we got to get this D one off. And, and his, he's not doing it. But you yeah. know, like part of it is there's a mental aspect. There's the X's and O's aspect. There's does a coach have favorites like that will have nothing to do with the weight room. So you paying now for some other trainer, that's not going to fix whatever the reason, you know, Johnny two shoes doesn't have his D one offer from, from Clemson. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing that they like bring up and I'm like, yo, when I went to this school, I was like, I was not, I was not like a naturally good football player, but I was a three year starter and I start both ways and stuff. And, I said, like, the only reason was I got stronger. I got stronger than everybody else. And so as a result, I could move myself in a direction as fast as anyone Less else. injuries too, probably. Said, but I didn't really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I was like, but I didn't like, I wasn't like a natural fluid athlete. Like, I was a big, awkward kid who would would move at a surprising yeah, rate of speed. <laughs> That's the sport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said like I didn't I didn't have good technique. I didn't have good I mean like oh, I had better technique than technique most shit. high schoolers, but people do not understand how much strength yeah. will play into that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the other thing is I'm like, you know, watching kids and they're talking about, you know, like, oh, don't you have to have good technique? And I'm like, you can't have good technique without strength. Can't maintain can't. it either. I try to talk to that about basketball players. Right. I don't care how many times that coach yells for your butt to get down a defense. If you can't squat and you can't get low with just your body, you're not going to add speed and a ball and all that and then be able to be like, why does he not 
you to keep his knees out or fall on his on his butt or fall forward and keep his head up because his strength and his mobility is shit. And I don't care how many times you yell at him, he's not going to yeah. magically fix that. Right. Well, and even more, I'm like, if you have the strength, do you know how easy it is mm-hmm. to fix mm-hmm. technique? If someone's strong, I said, and beyond that, and I've had this argument with coaches before. And the coaches, like, I've, I've started to get to the point where most of the coaches sort of relent and listen. Most of the coaches still don't, like, most of the coaches have not seen my movie. I, I was just about to say, have you given most these parents the, and the coaches your movie about strength and all this shit? Like, because I'm like, yo, what are they still denying it for? Yeah, like, they don't listen to these podcasts. They don't, you know, like, they don't know. They're just like, you know, all they know about me is that I have, like, some football background, but they're like, he didn't play in college. He didn't, oh, there it is. There he hasn't coached. Like, what is, is he? You know, like, so they're, they're, at first, at least, they're all, like, very confused as to why I'm there. And I'm like, y'all don't understand. I do something else. I said, what y'all do, because y'all also, no one gets enough time with the kids. Like, you watch a practice, you watch how much stuff they try and do during a practice. There's no time to actually, it, you know, it's the, just generally the Western, like, philosophy of teaching. You know, like, uh, if you read, like, The Talent Code. Ooh, I never heard of that. Um, um, I saw it on the Conjugate Club and their, like, little book section. Hmm. And so I read it, and it's really interesting. And one of the parts, it, it talks about, like, talks about like why are like brazilians so uniquely good at soccer and it's like well they play indoor soccer because they have lots of giant sprawling metropolises where and you know poverty and it's they don't have like nice parks and stuff but they'll have these indoor very Mm -hmm. small like hockey rink sized complexes where they'll you know they do five on five soccer so you think about that five on five soccer like uh, not really like, cause you're not move. It's not their conditioning. It's think about like, you know, like everyone could drive to the hoop before a three point line. Right. There were, you know, that everyone had a mid range game before right. the three point line. You know, once you add the three point line, it, it warps sort of what skills are prioritized. Right. But like, if you're the short, if you're the short kid who only plays in your driveway against your friends, you've got handles because you can't get away from right. the defense. What did you say? So, like, you know, so Brazilians couldn't really hide. You had to constantly be in the game. Like you're playing three on three. Yeah, basketball. you like, were. Hey, you, if you can't play defense. You're gonna quickly get exposed because, yeah, <laughs> there's no one to help you. Yeah, yeah, and if you play one on one, like you have to have. Yeah. You have to have handles because the ball's in your hands the whole time. You you know, you can't come off of a screen right. that isn't right. there. You can't, you know, like you can't just hope that you have a lazy defender and slide over into the corner. Like the focus is on you. So you have to be able to move the ball through your handles. Well, Brazilian soccer, the five on five, like indoor soccer is the same way. You couldn't just, you know, kick the ball past the guy and right. run it down. Yeah. You had to con- you have to control it in traffic. So they figured out like that the average player, I think it's like nine. They have nine times as many touches. Wow, it's a lot of reps. So you yeah. think about like, yeah. So you just get more reps. 
so yeah, better, they're all better. you know, like oh, so as a result, you can't be lazy with those kicks. Can't just give it kick at somebody across the field, then watch them do something, they come back and do something. No, you're always engaged. Yeah. And is that five including yeah. goalie? And so like you Um Ooh, I think a, so. Okay. Or maybe it's it's yeah, it's it's small and it's fast. Actually, I don't think that they have a goalie. I because it's a real small net. It's oh. like a lacrosse net. Oh, and then you gotta be more accurate with the kicks. So, oh wow, yeah. Right, right. But so think about if you play soccer that way, and then you get onto like an American soccer team and there's you know, was it yeah. like nine players and you've got all this space, but in your head, you're open. If you've got a foot right. on the other guy, you're, you know, like you're, you're fine. You're chilling. If the other defenders close down on you versus like the kid who's only played traditional soccer, you know, defender breaks down on him and he lines up to pass it away like immediately. Cause he, he doesn't his expectation is oh i'm i'm covered now the same way like you know when i played basketball like pick and roll and stuff being a big man if you threw the ball to me in a congested lane like i did i did not do well cuz it felt i you know i wasn't used to being guarded like that close and moving right. that fast and stuff and having the ball you know you threw a no look pass at me as i cut down to the lane it might hit me in the face just because my feel of the game was built more from like <laughs> the sort of suburb courts that I grew up on where like, you know, you, you, maybe you posted up on the block and you had your back turned to the guy and we all had a little baby hook and we could all knock down a wide open three if you <laughs> swung the ball around enough times. But like, you know, playing in under compressed conditions while diving to the basket yeah, and none of us did basketball. that. Sometimes, uh, one of the drills I think that I would, we would really usually see more of when we were in college, but very popular to do uh, uh, in the half court too. <laughs> do three on two, four on three, five on four, and it's like you couldn't get off until you got three stops in a row. So your defense was much better, but then the offense would have to get worked. And then sometimes you would switch it where there was five defense and then four on offense, and it's like. But now it's like mm-hmm. if you can score on a double team, it's like, yeah, your coaches want you to do it. But if you're a smart enough coach, prepare them for it because it's, sometimes it will be, will happen. So like you said, you're not used to that congested atmosphere. But if you're that dude that can be comfortable, like, oh, yeah. let me just breathe, whatever. If they foul me, they foul me. But let me just wait for somebody to cut. Or maybe I back out with the ball and then drive again, you know. But if you're that kid that panics, it's like yeah, you don't know what to do. <laughs> right. But I guess so all that was to go back to the book, The Talent Code, and they talk about, like, say, the Japanese uh, and the way that they teach, say, like math. And you look at, you know, like all these Asian cultures where they're very good at math. And like, number one, their languages are more mathematically based versus English is very arbitrary. So their language is actually teaching them mathematical concepts in like a very consistent manner. Number one. But number two, like, you know, you look at like kids these days and they got all this homework and stuff. It doesn't matter how simple the concept is. They have mountains of homework. You know, like it could be multiplication. You go to, you know, an Asian school and 
they might work one problem for multiple Mm -hmm. days and they'll wait until the last kid in the class understands it. (laughs) Right. Over here, they'll like, they show you a very simple version of the problem. And then they're like, okay, now here's worksheets. You do it a hundred times yourself. But here's the problem. What if, you know, you, you put up on the board, you know, two times two equals four. And you go, has everyone got that? Everyone knows what's going on? Great. Now do your multiplication tables. Well, does that kid actually understand what multiplication is? Or does he just, he just memorizes two X two equals four. And he doesn't want to raise his hand because he's, you know, like he's the only one that doesn't know. Right. (laughs) Right. And the teachers are so, you know, like they're so strapped to get to the next concept that the kid, like so many of the kids fall behind. They never actually understand the concept. And they're trying to continuously do more and more concepts that all build upon each other versus in Japan, like they might do a really complex problem and the smart kids, they know it immediately. And some of the other kids, they know it after a few minutes, but they keep going. And that last kid, he gets it. And he doesn't just get like this number blank, this number equals blank. He like he understands conceptually what it is that they're doing. You know, so like if you got a bad shot and I, you know, like I pass you the ball at the top of the key, say shoot that. And then I go, okay, okay, now go to the corner, shoot that. But you got a bad shot, like something is fundamentally wrong within your shot. You can keep trying to get better with bad technique. And you're ultimately gonna it's funny be a bad shooter. A football player, I try to explain that to people that are basketball people, and they don't understand that. I'm like, you're not fixing the real problem here. Yeah, I don't care how many shots you do, you'll end up be even if you become decent, you could be a lot better with a lot less shooting, spend a lot less time in the gym recovering if you just right. fix the real problem, which is trying to get a more consistent shot. Right, and it's just like, yo, just look at Evans, the best shooters of all time. They had better form. It's just fuck, <laughs> you don't back. Yeah with some crazy funky form yeah. and then hit, you know, three out of 10, you're not going to do that. <laughs> Just there's a, there's a formula yeah. that works. For well, and then even the, yeah. Well, and then even, even with things like for, my general point with all that is lifting is like the one lifting is, you know, like, so in football, I'm like, instead of running a million plays and trying to just install more and more and more, we should be like installing concepts. We should be making sure that this kid first off knows how to use their body. You know, if they're an offensive lineman, doesn't matter. You know, like you can, you can scheme up all the plays you want, but if the kid doesn't conceptually understand any of it, like you got a bad offensive line. So sometimes it means that you have to make much slower progress in the beginning. Cause again, like the kid in Japan, they make sure that he knows the concept not like he's got it kind of temporarily half learned, but that he like intrinsically understands the underlying That's ideas. Different. And so when they go away or they try and build on it, the kid has like a very solid foundation of what he knows. And then, and then the, you know, like in the U S they, they load him up with stuff and hope you do well. <laughs> my, yeah. Yeah. You load them up with stuff and, you know, like the idea is like 
hope you pass this <laughs> you know, test this oh, week. God, God, sorry. But then, you yeah. know, it's, it's block periodization. Yeah. It's block periodization. So then the next week, the kid forgets a bunch of stuff. And when you need him to understand that same idea, you know, one quarter later, he's forgotten it because he never really knew it to begin with. So suddenly you're like starting over constantly. The gym is like the one place where that doesn't really, when I have you jump, I don't really need you to conceptually understand anything. Like if you under, you know, like if you understand the concept to physically do it, takes like no time to teach. You know, like it's, it's very intuitive. Your body's just going to go where it goes. And if I've made you strong, you have access to all the movement that you need. So kids will go to all these technique coaches and stuff and they just drill technique all day and they have no underlying. Yeah. And they're still slow and and stuff and they go, Oh, but my technique is pretty. And you go, no, it's a, no, it's not. No, it's pretty fast is pretty. He says that about uh, what you call it. Uh, uh, Bolt and uh, Johnson that they both run differently, but, and they're not, they don't have the most perfect form, but why they run so much faster because they're so much stronger than everybody else. And it's like, look at the girls. The girls, right. so, a lot of times, just so you know, in all sports, they usually have better form. Why are they not faster? Because right. they're not as strong. That's right. It. So why don't you make your boys stronger so they're stronger than other I don't – it seems so simple. Right. Simple. I guess it's just because people think there's a million ways well, to get there. It's... They're really – well, there is. But just some are obviously – can be used over and over with multiple individuals, and some will only work for the genetic freak. Yeah. Right. Well, and even for the genetic freak, it's some will yeah. only work for so long. Yeah. And mentally they're right. poor too. Linear parasitic so, poor. <laughs> yeah. But it's even I mean, I like I the the big thing, <laughs> uh, something that really irks me is this like this is a bigger thing than lifting, this is a bigger thing than everything. But people like to people like to buy into the myth of artistry you know like there's science and there's art well no art is just basic basically art is just communication and to do it you are using formulas you're using formulas i'm trying to convey to the audience i'm trying to communicate to the audience using x stimulus to get y effect it's it's math so people will you know like and for me as someone who like how do i make my money basically writing and storytelling that's how i make my money that's what's bought my house that's what pays my bills it's what keeps food on my plate and i'm 270 Mm -hmm. pounds like i eat well you know like and then i'll get you know then you start talking about training and people go well there's an artistry to it and they like the technique because they feel like this is art. And you go like, what is technique ultimately? Technique is the most efficient manner to produce the needed force. It's all it is. Stri- like strip it all down. It just makes sense. The, the sport, arbitrary. The, like the sport is, ba- it, none of it really exists. Like it's all arbitrary, you know? Well, that only works for football. That only works for basketball. That only works for baseball. No. So long as they're all played under (laughs) gravity, then the training, 
you works for overcome. all of them. If you want to play them, yeah, if you want to play them in space, <laughs> in a zero gravity chamber or something, then fine. But even if you want to play them underwater, they're still going to sink. So you still need force. Like it's it's do, all gravity. Do you think? Do you think just these coaches gravity. rely so much or focus so much on Olympic lifting have never looked at the studies that it doesn't produce so much as much force as a back squat or a sumo deadlift? Or do they know that, but they don't know that force production is so huge to run fast and jump on? Because I'm lost. I, I don't get it. My <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's very simple. It's normally you look at these people – and because I know coaches who are like that, there's coaches who are like that here in town and some of them very nice people. And I, I know them and, you know, like I invite them to a barbecue, but I wouldn't send my kid to go train with them. But a lot of times it's they learned mm-hmm. Olympic lifting. And that's as simple as that. It's they learned Olympic lifting. So that's, you know, like it's like going to, you know, it's it's like going to it's going to somebody's house and asking them to you know like cook mm-hmm. you something up. They're gonna cook you what they ate. You know, like so they ate Olympic lifting, and now you're asking them, you know, like, hey, can you make me some food? They're gonna make you <laughs> Olympic lifting. It doesn't, you know, and you're like, well, that's not what I'm looking for right now. I'm Joan. Like, you know how to make bond me? No, I know how to make snatches and power cleans. Yeah, but your snatches and power cleans aren't like good. No, but they're all that I know how to make. I'll put you in this microwave and I'll hit snatch and I'll hit power clean. And 30 seconds later, you will, you'll be ice cold in the center and melted on the sides and the plastic will be stuck to the bottom and it'll smell like burnt hair, but it'll be a power clean. <laughs> Like they're just trying to use the thing that they think that they know. It's they're uh, really it's just they're comfortable. With, so is with that the why movement. those same people don't? They're test comfortable. So they with, don't get to have to look themselves in the mirror, showing that they're not getting results. <laughs> I think that's part of it. Uh, I think I think a lot of times that they're like you know like when people are like you know there's testers and then there's builders, and I'm like no, there's fucking there's stressors, there's stressors. What do you mean there's testers and there's builders? If you do a deadlift and it doesn't make you any stronger and you maxed, what kind of alien are you? Well, maybe like, they're hearing that from Louis, you, you know, but he was talking about like you in the future method. Future method, he'd be like, well, it's more of a tester. It doesn't get you really that strong. I, but I feel like that's relative. Still, well, yeah, top, some things. Still, you're going to be still lifting the top part of that shit, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it might be that that's not the, you know, part of your lift that mm-hmm. is lagging. It might be that that's not the optimal way, but it's still, yeah, it's it's still, still doing, doing something. something. I can't do 800 and on that's, future methods. That's also, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's also, if you do a drill, and this is another part where football, like, and basically we're football, we're trainers, with we're anything. If you do, you know, if... If like you do, you, you know, you work with basketball players for the most part. If you have them do something, if you have them shoot a certain shot or, you know, carry the ball a certain way or work on a certain like, you know, an in, in and out dribble or something like 
that drew like that move has no utility absent context you you, like there are some times when you just need to push the ball down the floor you know like if you're in the open court and you start you know you pull out a sham (laughs) god or something and there's no (laughs) defender what are you doing like like then you just you just made it easier for the defenders behind you to catch you you know so like you know maybe that's not a good move unless there's a certain reason why you use it. If you can translate to the kid, like the circumstance under which that is appropriate. Now, suddenly maybe that was a kid who had no tools in his arsenal. And now, even though it's not the most efficient thing, you gave him one, then you just made him a lot better. I got a, I got a topic for you that we got to talk about before we're we're done. Hopefully this crap doesn't kick us off because it's about to hit two hours, but the knees over toes mm-hmm. fad that's been uh <clears throat> that's been spreading through the internet. Um, I'm not gonna say who made. Yeah, that's a. Well, that's all she wrote for this podcast. I hope you really enjoyed. Me and Michael, it seems like we can always talk for a long time, especially him. He's a talker, but I enjoy that because that's just how I am. So. You know, once again, you can uh, watch West High versus the World. You can go on Apple iTunes. I purchased my copy as soon as that shit was available. <laughs> I would suggest you do as well. Um, I know there's other platforms that you can watch it on. I can't think of it right now. But um, if you haven't seen it, man, you're missing out. I don't care if you're a lifter, you're an athlete, you're just a regular day person needing some motivation to go to the gym. This is the movie you need to see. Um. Once again, if you like this episode, if you like this podcast, um, give me a thumbs up, favorite it, subscribe to it, uh, share it on Instagram, share it on Facebook, let your people know, you know, give support to me so I can do better and bigger things with this podcast and so I can provide more information and keep shining light on these great coaches. So, you know, you can find me on Instagram. That's uh, Khalil, K-A-L-I-L underscore Sherrod, S-H-E-R-R-O-D. Tune in there. I will be dropping another podcast uh, basically like the next day after this one because I have them back, like back payments. I got a back back podcast. <laughs> um, so I hope you all enjoy, and I'll see you soon. Peace. Oh, 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 make sure to stay clean.